Welcome to God's Not Done With You podcast. In this season of interviews, Pastor John Metter talks with everyday people whose lives parallel some of the amazing comeback stories in the Bible. Pastor John and his guests will show us how God can take any situation in life and bring hope and victory out of hardship. Welcome to John Metter's podcast, and this is John Metter, and uh, God's Not Done With You is the subject of this podcast. And we've been walking week by week through the different topics that are recorded in uh, the book, God's Not Done With You. And one after another, biblical characters that face some sort of comeback scenario. Uh, most of them were in nearly impossible, if not impossible, circumstances. And each of them turned to God, and each of them saw God come through in a powerful way. Well, today, in this podcast, we're talking about the man named Hezekiah, a king who heard a prophet say to him, you're going to die. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. If you got the prognosis from a prophet who is never wrong, that you're going to die, and you're going to die quickly, you don't have much time, what would you do? And uh, the story of Hezekiah takes us step by step through what Hezekiah did. And his first steps were amazing and strong. Uh, But at the end, not so much. And uh, we're going to talk about both the start and the finish of a story But really, uh, our podcast is also uh, about interviewing uh, individuals that have walked through this valley of the shadow of death, as I call it. Um, As you might have heard, the valley of shadow of death is not necessarily death, but it's where you're so close to death that the shadow is clearly passing by you, and you feel it, and you know it. And uh, and I have in in this room with me tonight two uh, incredible ladies that walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And uh, it's Karen and Candace, and uh, so much, so grateful for you girls being with me tonight. Uh, and we're eager to hear what you have to say about stories that parallel Hezekiah's. And each of you faced that dreaded cancer prognosis. So let's just talk about what your first response was. Take us back to those days when you first heard you have cancer. Well, it was shock. I was shocked. And, uh, I was on my way to Christmas shop and in the car and my doctor called telling me it is cancer. He didn't think it was, but he said it was and I was I just had to pull over, get off the freeway, pull over and stop because I I wasn't expecting that at all. Mm-hmm. It had always been, oh, it's just, you know, lumps, it's it's benign, no big deal, and this time it wasn't. And so I was just shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it took you a few moments to compose yourself, yes. didn't it, Candace? A lot of moments, yes. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know where I was spiritually at that time, but God did, and I think He kind of He 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 pulled my string and said, "I need I need you with me. Wow. You're you're busy. Mm-hmm. You're busy in the church. You're mm-hmm. doing this and that, and and I need you to focus on me. Wow. And I I really feel like." That was the response that I needed to give him. Okay, Lord, I'll I'll be still. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much else you can do when you, you're facing life and death and you can't do anything about it necessarily. I mean, obviously all of us want to use the best medical treatment, but we know beyond that uh, a lot of things are out of our control. Right. What about you, Karen? What was your first response when you heard that? Well, mine was a little bit different, unique, in that my mother, my aunt, and great-aunt um, were all diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. So I was at a high percentage 
according to the doctor, that I would possibly be diagnosed one day with breast cancer. I was in the 85th uh, percentile of, of that. So, but it was interesting. I, knowing that, I didn't fear. I wasn't afraid. I, was, I didn't dwell on it that I might get it. There, just the Lord protected me from that. It was just live. Let's, let's, let's live. Let's count the days and enjoy them and, and see what God has. When the diagnosis came, it was a hold your breath moment, uh, most certainly, just kind of a, a pause. But I had great peace. I was sharing with Candace earlier that I felt like the Lord was preparing me. I would walk through something, a trial of some sort. It wasn't, um, he didn't give me specifics per se, but that it would be, in fact, I'll, I'll give you this, this much that I was impressed by him that it would feel embarrassing to me and breast cancer certainly is an an embarrassing diagnosis for a woman and um but he was gracious to um prepare me with a sense of that all all i had sensed mainly was that it would be embarrassing but it would be a trial but i had peace his Mm. peace Mm. and i was filled with sorrow at grieving that I, I, there would be um, a loss of normalcy and that the very things that they were discussing made me feel like I, I wasn't a woman, mm. that it, it was affecting my identity of who God created me to be. Right, Candace? Did yes. you feel that way? Mm-hmm. And so it was grieving a loss. And, and at that moment, and this... This isn't the exact order of everything because there's so much in this beautiful walk that we went through with the Lord because we wouldn't trade it for anything Mm -hmm. because we know him Mm -hmm. more intimately. Right, Candace? Absolutely. Just in in a way that is beyond words, actually. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just deep calls to deep. Mm -hmm. And I understand that a little bit more. Not really, totally, but a little bit more right. in that your spirit, it's such a lonely walk. Yeah. And the Lord told us that in the beginning. It, it will be lonely. It'll be the two of us. Right. But you're in history. Right. You're catching up to me. I've already walked this with you, <laughs> but you're now, you know, walking it with me. But crying out to him uh, with the, the loss right. was very... I thought about Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. The Lord kept leading me back to his suffering. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's so good, Lord, because yeah. you're not allowing me to have self-pity. You're reminding me of the greatest suffering right. of all time and the fix of all um, sickness, illness, death mm-hmm. is him. Right. And right. so that was um, a beautiful thing for him to encourage me that to... He, I felt like he impressed me. I'm going to have, I would have permanent scars. Mm-hmm. He said, I do too. Wow. And that, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I know why again, but that encouraged me to know, wait, when I see him, right. his scars are there. Right. Do you know? So the sharing in, in sufferings. Mm-hmm. Do you know the it's fellowship? Yeah. Um, having communion. Sufferings, yeah, right. You know, you girls are talking about this past tense in a sense because you you looking back at a time that God's taking you through this season, 
and uh, and you're both uh, clear of cancer right now, and you, yes. you are, yeah, thank the Lord. Um, but there are people that are listening to this that uh, either fear a prognosis about to happen or someone has recommended that they listen to this because they have a prognosis. Uh, in Hezekiah's life, uh, he turned his face to the wall. That was the first thing he did. Very vivid imagery of a good king at the time. Good king, followed God, did the right things, walked closely with the prophets. But when he heard this, the Bible says that he turned his face to the wall, wept bitterly, and prayed to God. Yes. So what what is your thought when you hear face to the wall, weep bitterly, prayed to God? What does that mean to you in this in this season, Candace? Well, I did weep. A lot, um, a lot of confusion, but the, um, like Karen, I, I didn't fear. I, I, I don't know why, because I don't think my walk was quite as strong as Karen's, but I didn't, I didn't fear it. I just had a very positive attitude, and I said, you know what? God's given us excellent doctors, and if I've got this diagnosis, my first thought was, Let's be proactive. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the ones that have been recommended, and let's see how we can we knock this out. Can we? How fast can we get this out of my body? Mm -hmm. And so, I think that was you know just being very proactive, being very positive, having my friends uh, rally around me and pray for me, um, and for my husband. Right, I mean, right. we had only been married for ten years, and so I think it took. Kevin by surprise, and he had no idea what to do. Right, right. So, uh, let's go back to that moment where you pulled off the car, uh, off the off the uh, roadway in the car, and um, that might have been your face to the wall moment. I mean, it's a kind of a stunning thing, and I was just kind of explore that because people that haven't been through that before are not prepared for it. You know, it's an unprepared moment <laughs> to say the least. Uh, what would you say to them if they have a if they have a moment like this where the shock of, of this kind of news hits them, what would you say to them? Looking back 18 years later, mm -hmm. I would say um, what I've learned is the Lord knows my days. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't ready for the end at that moment like Hezekiah. So I... I knew he had my days numbered, and I just prayed that he would grant me more time, right. as we called it our bonus years. Yeah. So I've had 18 bonus years, and I've experienced a lot of life and love, mm -hmm. and uh, a much stronger relationship yeah. with my Lord. Um, and I share that with my friends and my family. Sure. Um, but crying out saying lord is this the time is is it my time right right because with the type of diagnosis that i got um it was a triple negative breast cancer which is extremely aggressive hmm. and um i didn't know that at the time right, right so but i did know it was aggressive the doctor said it's not the meanest but it's next to the meanest so right. i knew that that we need to be aggressive, and I just sure. need to have faith in my doctors, faith in my God, yeah. because I know He was the only one that was going to pull me through. Right, right. Now, if it were my time, 18 years ago or 17, I would have been ready, because I know God would have prepared me for that. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the time, my children had just 
gotten into college, got, you know, and I was like, but, you know, I've only been married 10 years, and I just thought, mm -hmm. there's a lot of living I need to do. Yeah, yeah. And that was my timetable. Sure, sure. But, um, well, you know, Hezekiah did, did the same thing. Lord, I need more time. Um, and we can only suppose what he was thinking, but it's probably not unlike what you were thinking in that, you know, he, he had family, he had children, he had a kingdom, he had future plans, and and uh, and I, I'm convinced that those face-the-wall moments are moments where all those things come rushing in. At the same time, the reality of, I've got cancer, God, what's, what's this going to look like? What about, what about your face-the-wall moment? We'll... We'll come back uh, at the end of our, our time together and, and kind of work through what you would give advice to people about. Okay. But in, in the sense of that initial moment, that face-to-wall moment, right? I mean, I what think, would you say? Well, earlier when I mentioned that he brought to my mind Gethsemane mm -hmm. and his sorrow and his suffering, and I think that was my face-to-wall because I thought all the family was out of the house. And so the night before the mastectomy and when things start to get super serious right. um i that's when i was crying out to him that was my the intimate face the wall right. and this is this is is um a game changer and it was the night before and then i didn't realize it but emory who was in seventh grade at the time i was calling out to god and i said who will mother her and i felt like he said it was just so sweet and so Sure, I will. Hmm. And I said, all right, Lord, you'll mother her. <laughs> I have no doubt. I didn't know what that would look like, but I didn't want to miss out on being her mother. No. I had the joy of being Katie and Will's mom mm -hmm. there. And then here, here's Emmy. Evidently, she was home, the only one home. And she was standing at the door, unbeknownst to me, hearing me cry out to God. Wow. And so the next morning... Right. I found a letter at the door. I had no idea. She ran back up to the computer to type a note to me. And there was a phrase in the note. It was a note of encouragement in her little seventh grade self. And there was a line there and said, Mom, if you lose hope, those around you will lose hope. I'm begging you not to lose hope. So I, I opened the word and I went, hope, hope. I'm looking up hope verses. And the one that came to me was Romans 15, 13. Mm -hmm. Now may the God of hope. God of hope. Yeah. So fill you with all joy mm -hmm. and peace and believing. Sure. You know, went through that and he wanted me to be abounding, overflowing right. with the happy anticipation mm -hmm. that he's good and he'll do good. Wow. And so that was my face the wall wow. moment. But I love Hezekiah. I was going to ask you, in, in fact, when he's at that moment, Isaiah's in the room with him, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then when he turns to the wall, is that, if you will, I'm picturing Isaiah still there mm -hmm. hearing this prayer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is sweet. His, the wall moment was, I'm turning away from you, the prophet, and going to my God. Alone. Going to God alone. Yes. That's right. Yeah, right. I, I believe that. And I, I believe that that... That face of all moment is the moment he stopped get, stopped uh, hoping in anything else. Kings have lots of resources, unlike us. Uh, of course, that was an era that's different, medically speaking, but um, he had every resource that anybody on the earth could have had at that moment, but he knew none of those were sufficient. And his prognosis wasn't necessarily cancer. It was just death. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, 
He turned away from every other thing and got alone with God. And that's what I encourage people to do whenever they get news like this. Have your face the wall moment. That's not a negative connotation. Face the wall so that nothing else distracts you. I love your story about your daughter. And uh, and it is true. It's something that um, needs to be pointed out that those around you watch you as you battle this illness or these, these, these this, this news that sometimes we get. Uh, if it's not cancer, if it's something else, and they watch us, and they're and uh, they're 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 looking to see if if the faith that we have can be trusted, and whether they can trust it as well. So it's a it's a huge thing. Um, what kind of questions did you grapple with, uh, Candace? Uh, as you after that face the wall moment, you're in the process, you're getting medical treatment. So um, not not medical questions, but what kind of questions did you <laughs> grapple with in terms of what do you do now, not knowing how long you would battle cancer or not knowing what you know now? I think um, on a very um, selfish level, I worried about my body. Mm. What, I'm losing my hair. A, a, a woman's identity is in their hair. And I think that kind of just blew me out of the water. I was really frightful of losing my hair and what that would look like. Mm. And then the scars yeah. that you were going to have. Right. I, you know, and... You will never be the same. And, um, of course, 18 years later, you're like, that's minor. Oh. It's minor. Mm-hmm. It, it, it all, you know, I, I, I grappled with being sick, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not being able to, to taste food. Right. Uh, not to, during that time, you don't really enjoy a whole lot. I think... Uh, Worship was my favorite day of the week Mm -hmm. because we would come to worship. We'd come to the altar and pray. Um, Even though I was weak because the chemo just really takes everything out of you. And a lot of time I couldn't stand up. But it was where I felt at home and I felt safe. And and, uh, that that was my comfort. Sure, sure. The whole week. And 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 I would go to work after chemo a few days and I'd go to work and um, you know I had students I taught elementary kids and you know how are they going to receive me without hair and I had a wig and you know and I didn't always wear that you had to wear caps sometimes you know just you know what were they going to think that I'm their teacher you know so uh, those are worldly things that I grappled grappled with I think you're the one that said in, in the first interview I did with you before I wrote the book, I think you're the one that said that trivial things became real trivial, that you didn't worry about those things anymore. Um, and after the, your, your healing or, your, or past your treatment, they were still trivial things, and you still didn't worry about them anymore. You kind of gave those up. But our identity is a big deal. That's a whole different subject, isn't it, that... Uh, it's going to be true of all of us, no matter whether we battle cancer or just age or whatever else it is. Our identity can't be wrapped up in just how we look. But uh, what kind of questions did you have, Karen, uh, as you battled and walked through this? Okay, so one of the first questions that I asked the Lord is this discipline. Have have I hurt you? Have I, you know, am, do you know, I really wanted to know because I wanted to get that right Number one, and two, not that I was thinking he's an angry God out to get me. It was just a question I needed to ask him and pursue. Mm-hmm. Is it discipline? Is it a test? Is it a trial? 
uh, is it all the above? Mm-hmm. You know, we're not only in a fallen world, but I am so fallen. I mean, you know, I don't even know the, the depth of my own heart, but I know that it is wicked and deceitfully wicked above all else. And yet God still loves me mm-hmm. and is for me and pursuing mm-hmm. me. But that was one of my first. Yeah. Uh, but that could be um, related to my temperament as mm-hmm. well. You know, that questioning right. of um, the thought of displeasing my earthly father right. is a big deal. I can't, I I just would never want to do that. Right. So maybe that's the transfer there spiritually. Yeah. I don't know. But that was definitely a question and searching him on that, you know, seeking him mm-hmm. for those things. And then another, I don't know if this fits here, but I guess it was the question that I was asking and, and it was tormenting me. What if? So I started studying and and um, reading everything I could. And then at one point I felt like the Lord told me, stop it, put it down. And like it was enough for me because I was living in what if, mm-hmm. which was producing fear. Right. And it was the negative what if. Yeah, yeah. So he then helped me to see live in what is. Mm-hmm. And I got the concept, live in the great I am. Live in his truth, in his presence. His presence will be my everything. Well, that's great. Do you know? Mm -hmm. So um, instead of the what if, live in what is. And he is what is because he's I am. Does that make sense? Yeah, that'll preach. I'll probably show up with that (laughs) pretty quick. But I've always said that what if is a, a fantasy world that um, what if this hadn't have happened to me? What if that had have happened to me? And, and we just don't really do well in that because they're not reality. So you're saying that very thing. But I think Hezekiah, regardless of his temperament or yours, he had the same self-evaluation. He, he looked around, uh, and uh, it's important for everybody to hear this, that when we get sick, it doesn't necessarily mean that God is, is disciplining us. That's our first thought, and, and sometimes we have that view of, God is an angry God, but if God really wanted us to suffer, he would just zap us. He could take us out very quickly. That's just not what God does. And it's not even your lack of faith either. And some people say it's your lack of faith that made you sick. But uh, it's a real thing that the body does sometimes fail, get cancer. Sometimes it's passed on genetically. Sometimes it's through exposure to something else. But we do get sick, and it's not always our fault. Um, Certainly we can do things to jeopardize our health, but that's not what this is. And uh, it's so important for people to to not take the dark side of that and to not go into uh, a mood that says, I'm under judgment, God hates me, Uh, God's angry at me. Because you're not going to be calling out to God if you think he's angry at you. Not much. You're certainly not going to deal with expectation. Mm -hmm. So... That, that's a pretty big deal. So self-evaluation is really, really important, I think. And that's part of what I talk about with, um, with the life of Hezekiah as well and well, encourage people to do. In the book, even this far out with our diagnosis, that you encouraged me with your words of just the reminder, it's rarely that. It's, it's right. more... That, I just took, again, a new comfort... Didn't, didn't you too, did. Candace, when you yes. read it? Because sometimes it's in the back of your mind, you wonder, but from to hear your shepherd, you know, a man of God, a man of his word, 
and reading that, it was a comfort to me, a fresh comfort to me. Good. Yeah. And I hope your words are a great comfort. Um, I hope your words are a great comfort to the people that are hearing this as well. It's such a huge, huge thing. So let me ask you a different question now. And that question is, how did all those things uh, affect how you saw life? Now, now, let's just kind of take you through the season where you were um, uh, battling cancer. And now you're on the other side of that, so to speak. You still are watchful, careful, but you're on the other side of that. So how does going through cancer affect how you see life now? I see... Um... I see it more positively. Um, I realized that he allowed me to walk through cancer and it took a long time for me to thank him for that, but I do now. And I, I realized that he needed something from me that I wasn't giving him. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a closer relationship, a deeper knowledge of him and his character. Um, so, since my recovery, I feel like I worship a lot different. Um, my praise is a lot more, um, it, it, it's always been very guarded, but because I think I had that brush with maybe death at my doorstep, I, I don't worry about what others think, and I used to be very concerned about that. I just... Uh, when it's time to praise the Lord, I just have to show how, you know, He, he makes me feel. Right. And it, it's just uh, it's just so comforting to know that I can do that. And I, it doesn't, I'm not worried about anybody else sure, sure. in the room. It's just me and Him. Mm -hmm. And then just, and then that prepares me for the words that you're going to give us. Mm -hmm. And helps me mm -hmm. to, to get into the worship mode. I just, I'm not... I don't want to grapple with people. I don't want to fuss with people. Um, I try to keep any kind of dissent or, or arguments at a minimal because my Not life, worth it, is it? our life is too short, <laughs> and right. I experience right. that. And I don't want, I don't want to live that way. Mm -hmm. I want to live in the joy of the Lord. Yeah. And even when things are not going good, I still have that joy. Right. And for a long time, I had to. I had to understand the difference between being happy and having joy, and I can have joy all the time. Right. And I think that's an, another thing that I've probably learned through this mm -hmm. is how to have joy all the time, mm -hmm. even when you're, you know, dealing with illness. Right. I remember one of the ladies that was at the original interview said um, that the very first verse, verse that came to her mind was uh, James one, count it all joy when you encounter yes. mm -hmm. various trials, and she said, "I just made that my agenda." to uh, put joy on the front burner. Right. And I do remember uh, what you said about uh, arguments and conversations that don't matter and uh, those different kinds of things that are really distracting to life. And there is a way uh, that facing death has of filtering out those things from our life in a huge oh, way. Oh, to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Karen, how, how would you live, how would you answer the question of how you live differently uh, on this other side? Okay, well, I, I think by nature, I'm a glass half full person. And I, I thought that was good. But I was impressed that the Lord was saying, I want my children to be a glass full, overflowing. 
to not Candace's half point. Full. Not half. <laughs> full, overflowing. I thought full, half full, instead of half empty, that's, that's pretty good. But he said, nope, step it up. I mean, overflowing, mm-hmm. you know, with hope and joy, as Candace said. And then, again, you know, the, the, um, the things that are so trivial. So I have a few sayings in my mind, or, or sometimes Mike and I will do this. Something will happen, I'll say, it's not cancer. It puts it all in perspective, <laughs> number one. <laughs> number two, there are times I think, okay, what's lost here will be found there. Wow. And, and I dwell on that. And, I, and, and that helps me even through everyday things, like um, someone that's disappointed you mm-hmm. or um, a bad report or a, a sad thing that's happened or, you know, to realize in the family of faith or the body of Christ that not to be so disappointed or grieved, uh, but to say, you know what, in heaven, that won't be said. Yeah. In heaven, that won't be done. Mm-hmm. So it helps me to give grace Mm-hmm. More grace mm-hmm. in the moment for that personality or person, or wow. um, it's kind of helped me to navigate. Oh yeah, but it won't be that way mm. in heaven. None mm. of us will be that mm. way. So that that's helped me. Good. So let me ask you this: Hezekiah on the other side of his healing. I mean, the Lord gave him fifteen more years. And the Bible says his heart grew arrogant and proud and, and everything Hezekiah did on the other side of that healing was messed up. And um, so when you read that and hear about that, um, obviously you want to do the opposite of Hezekiah. Uh, as I talk about it, I say something along the lines of, on the other side of that valley, find a place for humility. What's your response to that? How to live life on the other side? Well, may I just say, it's what I call a spooky verse. There are spooky verses. There there are verses that haunt me in the word meaning that grabs me by the throat. And just to to not want to go that way. Mm -hmm. Do you know? And it makes me sad that he did. Um, Yeah, it's spooky. It it encourages me to, all right, Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of us? This, I go, I love this. And, and I, I hope it's my, um, my, um, what, what do I call it? My, um, my compass. Mm-hmm. And, and it simplifies life for me. Mm-hmm. What does the Lord require of you, oh man, to, to love mercy? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's to do justly first. Mm-hmm. Which one is it? To love to do justice, to do mercy, justice. Walk that's right, like that's that. right. To do just, <laughs> justice, do the right thing. And then love mercy, yeah. to be kind, that's to right. be right, and to walk humbly with your God. That's right. And I think the big three, to try to hit those three by the Holy Spirit's power, not by works. You know, that's another right. thing that, that the Lord told me in, because we we serve and love to serve mm-hmm. our Lord. Mm-hmm. And and he told me, I said, don't you think I should go home? I, I am doing nothing but laying in this bed. <coughs> and he said, I love your being, not your doing. Yeah. So, so he, and he with, with all that, I've realized like Candace said, it's that intimacy. Yeah. He just loves who we are. And and um, those three come come back to me as, as a life that I 
attain mm-hmm. and pray that he'll be well-pleasing in those three yeah. of Micah 6 eight. That is what it looks like to walk humbly, and that's not what Hezekiah did. Right. Um, I think sometimes people get through times like this and they look back like Hezekiah and think, well, uh, cancer didn't kill me. I'm tough, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna live life the way I want to live it. And uh, and they're they're sadly disappointed in the end because we all die at some point. And uh, so I love the idea of humbly. What would you What would you say about that? Hezekiah went one direction, Candace, and that's not the direction you took. It is not, and I really um, I try as a believer as I work with people. I, I'm retired, but I work part time, and I really try to humble myself and put myself where they are in their walk Mm -hmm. and love them where they are. Um, I definitely try not to be proud. I want to, I want them to love me just for who I am. And I hope that they see a difference in me, um, whether they know that it's Christ or not. Mm -hmm. But they love me because I accept them mm-hmm. for who they are. Yeah. And then love them as Christ would have me love them. And that that would make a big difference in their life. Yeah. And that matters. That matters in a big way. Mm-hmm. So you you ladies also have reached out to others that have had this kind of challenge. And um, you've met several, your group. You call yourselves uh, bosom buddies, and uh, that's that's a pretty interesting phrase. And and uh, but around our church, we all know what that is, and <laughs> we don't have to explain it too much. Uh, what do newcomers to this uh, this kind of season in life? How do they respond to that when you reach out to them and and say, "Hey, we've walked through this before." I mean, I would imagine that would be extremely encouraging to them. What would you say? They they love it. Okay. They want they want us to walk through this with them mm-hmm. <clears throat> they will call us and ask us okay i'm getting ready to do this did you experience this did you have to do yeah, this yeah. you know um and the details they of really it, yeah. want to know well, what type of cancer was yours because there's so many different types of breast cancer mm-hmm. and uh so if if i didn't have that type but one of the girls in our group did mm-hmm. I would hand it off to them, and they would be so gracious wow. to give them a call or meet with them for coffee or whatever yeah. to 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 walk with them through it. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how the world figures this out, who they interact with. I know there are support groups for people that walk through cancer, but um, they're not always faith oriented. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. So, do you find yourself also able to talk to people that have walked through this or are walking through this? Right. Yes. Um, to encourage them to concentrate on getting well Mm -hmm. and that they have a team that'll be surrounding them in prayer. They have that covering Mm -hmm. that those that will carry their burden in prayer and that to know that if they, because you're so exhausted and so weak, you, I mean, your thoughts are prayers and you're crying and you're, you're, you know, the pain Mm -hmm. is, but to realize, all right, there are others that are stepping up to right, do that for right, me. Right. And that was, um, you know, just so encouraging to think about. And I think to pass on that, just concentrate on mm-hmm. getting well and fight, the, fight that fight yeah. and give it all your energy right. and know that other people are taking it up mm-hmm. for you. I know there were a lot of people that, that prayed with you through this and 
I know your church came alongside you in this. Your family came alongside you in this. And I encourage people all the time, those listening to this podcast, uh, everybody needs their group of people, people that they can call my people. God's given us those people in the church. He's given us those people in the family. Uh, And it's not just a general group of of humans. It is people that uh, are connected with us through biological reasons or because of faith in Jesus Christ. And and those are the people that are going to lift you up and pray for you and walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And and uh, so all those things are very encouraging when you're walking through a really dark time. And you ladies are a huge encouragement, as well as the rest of the bosom buddies. Um, so again, this is the God's Not Done With You podcast, and we're looking at the life of Hezekiah. And we've heard from uh, from Karen and Candace, two ladies that have walked through this valley. And uh, I hope that you'll take advantage of this podcast, pass it on to somebody else. Uh, and we will be praying that your faith will be strong as you put your hope in the God of hope, as we talked about a few moments ago. Thank you for joining us at the God's Not Done With You podcast. Mm-hmm.